0: Those of you over a certain age, what do you think of modernized hymns? That used to be in three time, didn't it? That's the bossanova version with improved words or otherwise. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you, Mike, for reading. I like the way the Bible is read off the phone now, which means that if you hold your phone up, we think you're reading the Bible. You're checking your shares on the Hang Seng, I know. Thank you to whoever provided all this water. I've got two glasses and a jug. If I drank that lot, you'd get a shorter sermon. Um, Is Dorothy here this morning? Oh, you're up there. You're trying to get away from me, girl. Do you know how it is? Talking about water, they say when you're drowning, the whole of your life goes before your eyes. And it's a bit like that for me here this morning because Dorothy was a member of my church in London. And here also this morning, guesting, we have John and Sylvia Southgate. Now, John was my Crusader leader in Rygate and Red Hill Crusaders 55 years ago. Ooh. He might want your commiserations rather than applause, but there you go. Anyway, it's fantastic to be with you again. What a great group of children you've got. Really, really value that, and young people too. This isn't working, is it? No, good. Let's get rid of that then. Um, Debbie, don't um, don't feel you have to clear the entire stage. Unexpected things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. You know they say uh, children are the church of tomorrow. It's not true. Children are the church of today. They're the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. Let's. Before I get wafting off on such things, let's pray before we look at God's word. And Father God, we bless you and thank you for your word. How in your love, you've shared with us some of your secrets that we may feel awe and wonder as we come to you. Help us not to bring you down to us, Lord. But pull us up into you and be with us as we think Through these things this morning, we ask in Jesus' own name. Amen. Our God is in, uh, our title I should say, our title this morning is God is Incomparable, based on Isaiah 40, 18. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him now, I've already had a bit of a beef about modernised hymns. Can I share with you another little bee in my bonnet? <coughs> you can do that when you're a visiting preacher because you don't know whose toes you're treading on. <laughs> Beat a hasty retreat. It bothers me slightly when a hymn or a song or a prayer says, Lord, you are a God of mercy or love or power or whatever. Or we say, you are a God who hears, cares, and so on. Why does it bother me? Because the A word, the indefinite article, kind of implies that there are others to choose from. Who are comparable. As if our Lord is one of a pantheon of rivals. And there are other equivalents. There are not. I want to say, Lord, you are God of, or even uh, the God of. There is no other. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is uniquely so far above, so different as to be incomparable. He cannot be compared with anything or any other being. All other gods, small g, are man-made idols or distortions of truth or philosophies or ideologies or whatever. Now, there's much more we could discuss about that, particularly in our modern age, and we'll come back to that later on. But let's focus on our theme. God is incomparable. Now, you're working, some of you, not all of you, I realise, the main church, you're working through Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable, And today's chapter, God is incomparable, obviously carries the central message. Don't worry if you haven't read it, this chapter. It's only three pages long, um, and its message can be summed up with three lines, really. Um, And the key point is this, and he makes it well, that by definition, you have to have something to compare something to in order to make a comparison. Does that make sense? You can can compare a dog with a wolf or a piano with an organ, but if there's nothing with which you can meaningfully compare something, then that thing or that being is literally incomparable. God cannot be adequately compared with anything. There is no comparison. He is incomparable. And by the way, um, I'm saying he... Uh, let, let's stay for now with the truth of Genesis 1:26 to 26-27, that God said, let us make mankind in our image male and female. He made them. There's another big discussion there. Now, back to the matter in hand. Scripture is woven through with references and statements of the uniqueness of and the incomparability of God. For example, Psalm 40, verse 5, none can compare with you. If I were to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Psalm 68, verse 8, among the gods, small g, there is none like you, Lord, no deeds can compare with yours note by the way that god's deeds are incomparable in number and wonder not just himself i love that fantastic picture that pam uh, sorry carol has made here uh, that is incredible i used to get involved in primary school assemblies and i had this box for questions for kids to put in and prayers and all that kind of stuff and frequently a child would ask how old is god uh, you know who is god's parent The the one I loved most was, if I don't believe in God, will he still love me? (laughs) Classic question. Anyway, uh, the, the, the image I used to give, and it's one that I struggle with, and perhaps you do too. I used to say to them, well, if you send a rocket up into space and you manage not to bump into anything, you go on forever and ever and ever. Can you imagine that? impossible and if you reach the top like truman's world where he bumps into the wall yeah who's seen that (laughs) yeah i mean the obvious question is what's the other side yeah the, the the incredible infinity of god psalm 121 beautiful psalm i lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, that psalm was written into a context where all the different tribes and communities all had their own gods. And they were reckoned to live on the tops of mountains. You know, Mount Olympus and all that a bit earlier, but you know what I mean. They lived on mountaintops. That was where they thought. They looked up. And so, in fact, that psalm, that first verse, can be translated as a question. In which case it would read, do I lift up my eyes to the hills like all the others do? Is that where my help comes from? And then the emphatic, no, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, beyond comparison to any other. By the way, that Isaiah 40 that Mike read to us earlier, if you look at Job 38, 39, 40, 41, you get the same thing. It's a fabulous reading, absolutely beautiful. Read it, read it. Talking about all that God has done. Now, our passage for today, then uh, Isaiah 40, 10 to 18, particularly verse 18, that last question, uh, rhetorical question which means it, you know, like much Jewish argument, it's set in form of questions. With whom will you then compare God? To what image will you liken him? And the answer is, of course, there is nobody and there is nothing with which we could compare God. And the mind, uh, in, in the mind of Isaiah, it's an unanswerable and therefore a pointless question. And the only way we can do it, and by the way, this is a trend in our Christianish culture is to bring God down to a size that we can understand him. Not good. Again and again in scripture we read phrases like above all small g gods. Four times in Psalms and many times elsewhere. Now uh, in Isaiah 44 he mocks idols. Uh, that's worth a read too. It's very funny. He talks about a carpenter who gets a log and chops it up and uses half of it to make a fire to cook his dinner, and the other half to make an idol to worship. Odd thing to do. Read it. Chapter 44. Well, we could mock. We could mock, but, and here we go, um, we need to take the uniqueness and incomparability of God seriously today. Because, two reasons, here's the first one. Firstly, there is a spiritual context in our society. Other faiths and other gods, New Age philosophies, self-based ideologies. This is the context in which we, God's people, should be distinctive or, as it's repeatedly put in God's word, be holy because I am holy. Be separate, be different, be holy. So, how do we speak of God as his children when we're not given anything to compare him to? Well, there's good news, bear with me. The person of God is incomparable, but his character is not. I'm trying to make a distinction. We are given countless images with which to compare the characteristics of God. Many of them become, in effect, names of God. I've got a book somewhere called The God of a Thousand Names, and most of the names of God are are titles. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples in a minute. Uh, And and from them, we can understand and learn and role model. For instance, Jehovah Jireh – provider or even something like the Good Shepherd, right? They don't encompass God any more than the trunk or the tail of the elephant describes the whole thing, but they give us hints that we can walk in. Not only that, but in creation, God put in us the potential to express and live out his characteristics. Even more than that, he sent his Son the divine character in human form for us to see and imitate. St. Paul writes in Colossians 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God and God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And elsewhere in 1 Corinthians he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is our call. To put it simply, we can't get our head around the incomparable God. He is beyond our mind's capacity, but we are given comparable images and copyable examples of his characteristics. There is no comparison with immortal, invisible God, only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. We're going to sing that later. So it is unhelpful to get into a wordy defence of God, as if he were to be set against and compared with uh, others on equivalent terms. But we can use the comparing images we are given for the character of God to help us to reflect and express that character in a world of lesser gods or none. Now... Folks, either I've died and gone to heaven or I'm hearing music. It could be both, of course. Yes. Um, Don't worry about it. Somebody's having a disco. Why not? Anyway, uh, that gave you a little comfort break. So let's press on. Um, The Bible frequently uses those comparisons to help us to know the nature of God who, as the next chapter in Andrew Wilson's book, if you're reading it, says, is unknowable and yet longs to be known. There's a paradox for you. He's unknowable yet longs to be known. Now we know in part, then we shall know fully. What a beautiful verse that is uh, from 1 Corinthians. So for character comparison images, God is like mother and father. He is like Mountain and ocean. He is like lion and lamb, shepherd, warrior. They're all characteristic descriptions, none of them is uh, a whole comparison. Images and role models, if you like, the role model of the shepherd, the role model of the lamb, whatever it might be, uh, to help us towards holiness. To compare ourselves with our Lord Jesus as God is seen in him. Even though we fall short, we need constant forgiveness and new starts. Did you know, I mean, you might like to research this. I think Jesus never said, God is like. What he did say is, the kingdom of God is like. And that is the kingdom in which we are citizens, we are ambassadors, we are imitators of Jesus Christ, striving to know the national characteristics of the kingdom that we're citizens of. You get that? That's our life's call. Be holy as I am holy in what St. Peter calls a holy nation. And thank you for turning the volume down. I don't know how you did it, I don't care how you did it, but it worked. So I said there were two reasons why we need to take the incom- incomparability of God seriously. And one is the fact that we live in a multicultural, multi-faith, etc. society. Okay. The second reason why we need to take the incomparability of God seriously is a real challenge for us all today. Not only do we live in a multi-faith society, but we live in one that has become hypersensitive to offence and criticism. We see repeatedly speakers or writers – not all Christians, but some are. Look at the Scottish election of their new leader, for example. We see repeatedly speakers or writers subject to accusation of intolerance or bigotry or hate speech, or we see no platforming, we see threats of even anti-conversion legislation and so on. Our brothers and sisters elsewhere in the world are more vulnerable than we are to threat and persecution. But our stand for the uniqueness and incomparability of God needs to be taken. But taken carefully, graciously, courageously. It's more a matter of godly lifestyle than of wordy arguments at a time when words are questioned and threatened. I think it was Spurgeon who said that the way to show that a stick is crooked is to lay a straight one alongside it. That is our call. The verse I touched on with the children earlier on, Deuteronomy 29 29, easy to remember, 29 29, it says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And so, the incomparable God conceals himself. Of course, he does. He is more than the human mind can contain. But the things he reveals to us, of himself, are for us to share and they are all we need the characteristics and the commands and the care and the counsel of God as we find him in his word, in his world and in his son. That's what he gives us. The fact that God made us in his image means that we are able to feel, see, experience, recognise, appreciate and express God's character in ourselves, yes we fail, of course. Even in the broken image, there is Christ for us to reflect. There is his character to imitate. There is one with whom we may compare ourselves and long to measure up. Last thing. Jesus came to show and to share and to give and to express in us life in all its fullness, John 10.10. Life as children of the incomparable God. St Peter again, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him incomparable who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Well, let's just pray as we think about that. Father God, we thank you that you are beyond us because if we could fully understand you, you wouldn't be God. We remember the words of the psalmist. Such thoughts are too lofty for me too much for me, too lofty for me to attain. How many are your thoughts, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Father, help us that we cannot describe you, at least to know your characteristics, to see in Christ all the fullness of God in human form, and to copy him. Give us the strength we need to do that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' own name.